0: It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. It is actually a game week podcast. This week, we get to go from dissecting things that really don't matter at all to dissecting things that might matter a little bit more. So... <laughs> Saturday night, um, you should dissect eight Shakespeare's pizzas. If you do that, if you call and order eight pizzas at one time on the same card, preferably. Well, actually, that's mandatory. But pay with one card, get eight pizzas, have a bunch of people over, watch the Missouri-Wyoming game. It is on CBS Sports Network. Tweet at Mitchell40. He will tell you what channel that is on your individual television. Sit down with your pizzas. You get a 15% discount when you call Shakespeare's and order eight or more. And uh, I don't know, I guess we made it. There's, like we're hours away from actual football not yeah. Missouri football quite yet but yeah. real
1: football. Yeah there was football a little bit of football last week, and it hardly counts. The fourth I think. quarter uh, <laughs> does not count as football. There's in Florida football Miami. tonight and uh, there's Missouri football uh, this weekend and by the way I would just like to add that you've proven yourself to be so helpful at answering fans questions about what channel the game is on. I don't think anyone even <laughs> need to tweet at me hey, since you answer all their questions. You just go back
0: through my timeline. I retweeted Mizzou on Monday with the channels for multiple cable providers. I will not answer you if you ask me what channel the game is on. I will not tell you even if I know. Um, so, I, look, I've, I've done my service. I also, at this point, do not know what costumes they're wearing for the game. Uh, we will find that out sometime tomorrow. Um, we will get into a little bit more about this game and maybe talk some SEC and a little bit of what happened last weekend and, and this coming weekend in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk to somebody who – hopefully knows a whole lot more about this weekend's opponent than we do. All right, welcome in Davis Potter. He covers the Wyoming Cowboys for the Casper Star Tribune. And uh, as we said in the intro, hopefully knows a whole lot more about Wyoming than we do, um, because I'm going to be honest, at this point, we don't we don't really know a whole lot, uh, first game of the season and all that. So uh, Davis, first off, thanks, man, for for taking some time. And just to start off, we just want to ask, last year's game, really wasn't super competitive um that was pretty much in hand for about the last two and a half quarters from the wyoming perspective what are the reasons to think that this one uh will offer more of a challenge for missouri
2: yeah i think first of all it's got to start with the quarterback uh you know obviously sean chambers taking over uh and entering his his first season is uh the full-time starter there i mean the the past passing game last year for Wallman was just virtually non-existent uh, with Tyler Vanderwall. And really they had no plans of playing Sean Chambers last year. I mean, he spent the first eight weeks of the season on the scout team. So he, you know, running, uh, the scout team offense. So he really wasn't even immersed in the, in the game plan each week, and even the offense. And all of a sudden they're sitting there after eight weeks, two and six, and, uh, they got to win four, four they got to win out their last four games to, uh, just get the bowl eligibility, and they, they need to spark and put put him in there. Uh, the big question is what what exactly is that going to look like this season? After he uh, you know basically was, was almost exclusively a runner in those four games, and really did that effectively, and you know started his career with three straight 100 yard rushing games. But you know the big uh, the focus in the offseason coming in has been to uh, you know develop him as a passer and to really uh, open up this playbook and balance out the offense. Uh, he only threw it 25 times last season, so for me to sit here and act like I know exactly what that's going to look like, or anybody uh, at Wyoming really knows what that's going to look like, would it uh, wouldn't be uh, honest. So I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say you know he can he can do this, he can do that. Uh, I'm not saying he can't go out there and um, you, you know it, and get it done as a passer, but uh, you know nobody knows what it looks like. He's going to go out, have to go out there and prove it. So. I think really that's that's the first uh, ingredient to this, to, to keeping this game more competitive, is uh, having a guy back there that um, not only was more productive and showed that at the end of last year, but uh, can bring that added dimension uh, with his legs. Because I mean, let's be honest, man, with uh, that with the speed and some of the depth that, that an SEC team brings in here, like Missouri will, um, you know, there, there's going to be some times where he's probably going to have to. Uh, Extend some plays and get outside the pocket and try to buy some extra time when things break down. So um, I, I think just you know his, his versatility and kind of that, that dual threat that he brings at the position um, is is something that they'll be you know hoping can can sustain some more drives and put some more points on the board. And then defensively, uh, I know there's a lot of attention on some of the uh, some of the bigger names that, that Wyoming lost, particularly. Um, you know, in the back, in the defensive backfield with uh, Andrew Wingard and Marcus Ups, who was a six-round draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings this year, but uh, they still return more than half of their starters, actually six starters, and that from a defense that has finished in the top thirty nationally in uh, yards and points allowed the last few seasons, and uh, it's kind of a, a reverse where last year they, they were really experienced and, and deep on the defensive line. They lost five defensive linemen off their two D, but they've got uh, you know three or four seniors uh, in their uh, back seven that they're really going to rely on uh, and really tax to kind of help them, um, you know, stop offenses and and really be sort of the the, uh, backbone to this defense this year. So, um, you know, despite some losses, obviously, but, um, you know, they still have a lot of experience back on that side of the ball. And then, obviously, with Sean Chambers and what he can do offensively, they're hoping to keep this game a little more competitive.
1: Davis, uh, I saw – a, a metric I think it was an S&P plus uh, metric that the Wyoming is ranked like number 120 out of 130 FBS teams in returning production obviously lost a lot of, uh, of players from last year's teams who were kind of some of those those biggest bigger losses and, and what kind of you know areas of concern might that create for, for Wyoming this year yeah,
2: yeah so I mentioned the, the safeties that they lost Andrew Wingard and Marcus Epps were uh, I mean I know they don't get a lot of attention a lot of people don't Know about them outside of the Mountain West, but that is by far the most productive safety team that Wyoming has ever had. I mean, Andrew Wingard uh, finished his career at the tie to top of the Mountain West career tackles list, and uh, Marcus Epps is finished 11th um, in school history in tackles, and, and like I mentioned, was drafted uh, in the sixth round by the Minnesota Vikings. That's a ton of production, obviously, that you have to replace. Both of those guys were four-year starters, uh, started more than 40 games alongside each other. Um, But they do have uh, uh, safety uh, in Elijah Halliburton, who's stepping in there and actually started six games for them because last season um, they ended up bumping uh, Marcus up down to nickel just because they had some injuries there and they had a need there about halfway through the season. So once they bumped him down, Elijah stepped in at a strong safety and actually started – um, like I said, the last half of the season actually finished as their fourth uh, leading tackler last season. Um, and then you look at uh, tight end is another position where they, they lost some pieces. And, you know, obviously this this Craig Bowl system, this more uh, uh, physical pro-style offense, they, they utilize a lot of tight ends. And uh, they lost Tyree Bayfield, who was one of their leading receivers last year. Uh, not that the bar was set very high with, with <laughs> what they did in the passing game. But, you know, he was a guy that actually produced some of their most explosive plays in the passing game. Um, they also lost Austin Fort, uh, who, um, you know, it was a, a free agent signing with, with the Broncos. And I hear he was, was actually doing pretty good with them before uh, he got hurt and uh, just lost for the season with a knee injury. But um, th- those are some guys. And then, obviously, at running back, uh, you had a 13-yard, 100-yard rusher in uh, Nico Evans. Um, so – uh, you know, they finished fourth in the Mountain West last year. So yeah, there, there, there's a ton of, uh, of production that they have to replace. And I mentioned along the defensive line, um, Carl Granderson was uh, you know an All Mountain West guy, uh, and Johanna Gaffan in and in interior defensive line. Uh, and those were uh, some two of the more de- disruptive defensive linemen in the league the last couple of years. And um, as I mentioned, they they lost five defensive linemen off their two D. So I mean, as I mentioned earlier, they're sort of reversed in, in a sense where they they really relied on their front four and that defensive line to to be disruptive and to create pressure up front. And now they're in a, this position where the, the, the back end of that defense is where the experience lies. So um, you know, th- those are you know, they got a lot of young guys. This is still a relatively young team coming into this year, and um, they're going to need some some of these redshirt freshmen and even some true freshmen to really uh, step up and uh, and and you know t- make that next step in their development in a hurry um, because obviously you lose that much production man that's you got to you, you got to find a way to po- replace that somehow and and that's a lot to ask of young guys but um, that that's sort of the position they find themselves in want
0: well, to ask you davis the story of the week really the story all summer according to missouri fans was that uh, laramie is at 7200 feet elevation missouri's coaches are saying what i'm sure every coach who has ever played there says which is yeah, we know about it. We'll talk about it. It's really not that big a deal. Wyoming obviously plays it up, posts the elevation in the stadium, everything like that. So you've covered games there. I mean, how big a
2: factor really is it? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's 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 hard for me, <laughs> like, you know, the man that doesn't actually go out there and play and, and it, work out.
0: And, it, uh, maybe a better question the- is, will we be able to climb up to the press box and not be out of breath? <laughs> That's more
2: important. <laughs> Um, no, you'll, you'll actually, you'll feel it, you'll, yeah. but there is an elevator. So, oh, good. uh, yeah. actually there are no steps. So you're, you're good in that sense. Um, but I, I, I don't know, man, I, it's, it's hard to say. And, and looking at Wyoming's record of, you know, over the history and even in Craig Bowles there, I mean, they're, they're right around 500 at home. So, I mean, as much as people want to talk about it being a big deal here, it hasn't been that much of an advantage for Wyoming. And, you know, I asked Craig Bowles about that earlier this week, if, if if they might try to go more up tempo to, to to try to wear Missouri down and, and you know because they are more of that uh, physical run, run first play action team and I mean you know for 2019 college football I mean Missouri is, or uh, Wyoming I should say is about as throwback as it gets in terms of the pace and their their offensive style and I was just curious if they might try to uh, you know go more use more up tempo maybe some two minute stuff to try to do it and. Greg Wykes said is actually going to be the opposite because they uh, they want to try to be more focused and keep Missouri's defense on the field with longer drives and and uh, you know more plays and, and try to wear them down that way. But you know, I mean, you sit there and look at this matchup, and Missouri is the SEC team. You think they should have the advantage when it comes to depth and guys they can just run in and out of there. So I don't know if that if either game plan for for them is really going to make that much of a difference, but um yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, on the field, just looking at the record and what, what they've done, it doesn't seem to have helped Wyoming home a whole lot.
1: <laughs> Davis, one thing that obviously, you know, always – can be a factor in games like this where you have one team that's relatively heavily favored is, is turnovers and two years ago i know wyoming was a turnover machine i think they led the, the ncaa in takeaways last year that number yep. dipped quite a bit do you do you kind of have a sense as to maybe why the that that was maybe just a, a regression to the mean and and you know if there's optimism that that uh, that, that number could go back up for wyoming this season
2: yeah, I mean, it's, it's always hard. I don't, I don't expect them to lead the country in, in turnovers forced again. I mean, look, you got to have a lot of luck to do something like that. I mean, I think they first – I wasn't here you know, back then covering this team when two years ago when they led the country in turnovers, but I think it, they forced like 37, 38, somewhere around there. And then, yeah, last year it did dip significantly. Uh, I think they only forced like 15. And it, it's hard to put – you know, pinpoint what the reason was for that because they did have so many of those playmakers last year um, that I mentioned when you talk about Andrew Winger, Carl, uh, Marcus Epps, Carl Granderson, Johanna Gaffan, um, even Logan Wilson, who's return, is entering his fourth year as a starter there at middle linebacker. Um, you know, they, they had uh, so many playmakers and so many guys that, that could uh, impact the game, but the one area that, that they have to store up, and, and if they're going to force create more pressure and force more turnovers, they've got to be better um, in terms of, of creating a pass rush, and that's, that's an area that sort of surprised me last year when you had guys uh, like Carl Granderson and and Garrett Kroll, their other st- defensive end. Um, you know, those some of those guys were really disruptive the year before, and they just they just didn't have the same stats. They didn't have the same impact on the game uh, that they did the, the year before. And uh, you know, they they've got to find a way to, to generate more pressure. And it's going to be interesting to see because. I mean, I've mentioned, you know, the attrition and the losses that they had, um, you know, on the defensive line from last year. uh, Are are they going to be able to generate that pressure with with, with their front four? Are they going to have to, uh, you know, rely on that secondary more in Texas, secondary more, and ask them to play more man in the back end and send, you know, five or six um, guys to to get after the quarterback and create more pressure with blitz packages and things like that? Um, That's obviously a a risk sometimes. And if they end up doing that in Clemson, obviously it's, it's a huge risk. And you're, you're asking, uh, you know, once you put your cornerbacks on an island, you know, and, and if, even if you try to spy Kelly Bryant, uh, I don't know if there's anybody left outside of your defense that, that's fast enough to, to try to contain him and to spy him. So, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be fascinating to sort of see what their game plan is in, in this game in particular and then all season when it comes to trying to generate more pressure because. Yeah, you know, if you can't generate pressure, man, and, and quarterback any decent college quarterback's got five, six seconds to, to survey the field and throw the ball. Uh, you're not going to create many turnovers, uh, you're going to be giving up a lot of points. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's something that they have got to figure out. I'm not quite sure if they have an answer for that at this point, considering uh, particularly you know the losses that they had on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, I think we'll we'll just kind of find out together, kind of you know what their approach is come uh, Saturday.
0: Missouri fans know a lot about what defense looks like when you can't put any pressure on a quarterback and he has six seconds to stand back there. Uh, that'll be one thing both sides are watching, I think. But it, just want to ask you, beyond this game, again, we're talking to Davis Potter from the uh, Casper Star Tribune, covers Wyoming. And this game, Missouri's favored by about 18 points, we expect. You expect that Missouri's probably going to win this game somewhat comfortably. Uh, so beyond this game, what what's a good year for Craig Bowl in Wyoming this year?
2: Uh, a bowl game. I mean, that's that's the expectation. I mean, you know, when he came here, two thousand two thousand fourteen. I mean, he was, I mean, he was one of the hottest teams in coaching after what he did. You know, at North Dakota State, with winning three straight FCS national championships, and uh, you know, his, his quarterback that he uh, initially recruited and signed and, and, and developed, Carson Wentz, going on to the NFL. Uh, you know, there were high expectations for him, and they're coming to Wyoming, and you know, it was a rebuild project, and and they. You know they, they had a rough go of it his first two years, but uh, you know but these last three years they, they put together three straight bowl eligible seasons. Uh, now last year, you know the first year of the post Josh Allen era, you know we talked about the quarterback struggles that they had until they turned to Sean Chambers. Um, you know they, they were two and six, you know after their first eight games and had to win out just to get to bowl eligibility, and they did that. But since they were the last bowl eligible team, they there weren't enough spots for them, and so they actually didn't get sent to a bowl, but. Um, you know, and particularly with their schedule this year, because once they get past Missouri, five of the next six games are against teams that had losing records last season. Um, but I mean, and I know last year was last year, and you know we'll, we'll wait and see if some of those teams are any better. But I mean, they play Idaho, who just went from FBS to FCS last year and still had a losing record. That's a bad football team. Uh, New Mexico is; I mean, they they are one of the worst programs in the FBS. I mean, the, Mount, the Mountain West has two of those in San Jose State and New Mexico. I mean, th- those are just bad football teams. Um, they Their first seven games, I mean, after Missouri, their toughest game is probably on the road at San Diego State. And they'll have to play well to go there and win. But that's not a game that I say they can't win that game. Uh, they go on the road and play well. But, I mean, that's, that's one they can still get. So, you know, even after uh, Missouri, the next week they go to Texas State. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this team again depending on what Sean Chambers does if they if they're actually able to to be multi-dimensional on offense and he brings that dimension to them um I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting there at 5-2 possibly 6-1 if if they catch some breaks and everything goes right that might be a bit of a stretch but um you know and, and they really need to because they're scheduling in November the bear I mean if they got back-to-back uh, road trips at uh, Boise and Utah State and then they have to Finish the year on the road at Air Force, which is always a tricky deal when you're dealing with that triple option that they run there. But um, you know they, they've got enough experience, and, and you're going into your sixth year uh, here if you're Craig Bowl and uh, you, you've built some of the depth. It's not quite where they want it to be, um, but this is—it's at a point now where they expect to be a bowl team every year. And again, I mentioned if, if you know considering that schedule, man, if things break right, I wouldn't be shocked. If this team uh, is in contention in the Mountain West Mountain Division, still come uh, mid to late October. But then, uh, the, the thing that is a concern for for Craig Ball and this team is their depth on the line of scrimmage because their starters are, are pretty good. I think actually their front group um, on both sides of the ball could could be one of the, some of the best in the Mountain West. But we mentioned some of the attrition that they have, they, they, they have some young guys that they're asking, going to be asking to fill in some of those depth spots. And as of right now, there's just not a a ton behind that that, that front line group. And um, so, you know, things don't go well and and, and they're hit with some injuries. And I mean, I I could see this thing, you know, them being a five win team. So, uh, I actually predicted uh, on our uh, podcast uh, that's that's going up later this week that for them to finish seven and five, um, sort of splitting the difference between what I think could be the, the ceiling uh, and the floor for them. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be a massive disappointment for them if they're not back in the ballgame this year.
1: Davis, we, we've, you know, touched on, Gabe mentioned Missouri's going to be favored in this game. You know, if both teams probably play an equal game, Missouri's probably going to win. But I, I like to ask, I'm curious, what do you think, like, would have to happen for Wyoming to pull this upset? I mean, is it one of those things? Is this a matchup where you could see, you know, a timely turnover or two and, and you know, maybe Wyoming makes it hits on a couple downfield passes and, and it's a close game? Or is it one of those things where you say, you know, you need a natural disaster or something like that to to contend?
2: Yeah, uh, well, the first thing is you mentioned turnovers. I think Wyoming has to be at least plus two um, for this thing to be, you know, a, possibly a a seven-point, ten-point game cutting into the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, I think they're going to have to force at least four or five turnovers uh, for them to, to really stay in this thing and be competitive. And then, look, I mean, as good as Wyoming's defense has been, we mentioned some of the attrition on that side. Uh, look, Missouri's going to score some points. I mean, that, that, that's an explosive offense, and uh, they're going to uh, put some points on the board. So, you know, Wyoming is going to have to keep up. And th- so they're going to have to try to produce some big plays every once in a while. And, you know, where that's going to come from, I'm not sure. I mean, we mentioned they're, they're breaking in uh, new, some new running backs relative. I mean, Xavier Valaday is their their starter, but – um he's also their leading returning rusher uh with uh almost 400 yards from last year and he only made one start i mean he was their number three running back uh at this point last season but you know with, with nico leaving and that they, they have they've had some other um guys transfer out of the program in the offseason um you know that, that who knows exactly how, what, how he'll be able to hold up throughout the whole season uh their receiving core and was one of the least productive in the all of FBS last year I mean this passing offense it tied with Air Force for the fewest passing yards in the Mountain West last year and they were they were 124 in the FBS um, and the only teams that were worse than them were all option teams I and mean, that's that's never a good thing if you're not an option team so um, you know I, I don't are they going to be able to do it that's the big question and, and again that's where Sean Chambers comes in where uh, if they can't do it, to the passing game, maybe he's, he's got the ability to break something off in the running game and, and really spark this offense. But they're going to have to rip off some chunk plays and and, and score on, on some long plays. Because I don't think Wyoming's offense is necessarily going to be able to sustain drive and put together you know, 10, 12, 14 play scoring drive consistently against this Wyoming defense or this Missouri defense, excuse me.
0: All right, last thing for you, Davis, and this is always probably the most important thing we ask on road games because I know I uh, saw this morning Missouri sold out its ticket allotment. There's going to be a couple thousand Missouri fans up there anyway. Uh, for yeah. Friday night before the game Saturday, what are what are a couple places Missouri fans need to go, whether it's you know a tailgate scene, a, a bar, a restaurant? What is there to, to do in Laramie other than go to a football game?
2: Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that was not, not an encouraging oh, start. well it's it's not necessarily a lock on laramie but i've only been here less than a year so even i haven't been everywhere in laramie yet all the uh, hot spots but if you're looking just kind of like for a bar atmosphere like a good time um the buckhorn bar here is sort of a sort of legendary from what i've been told i've only been to it a couple times since i've been here but um a a more upscale bar if that's what you're looking for is a Front Street Tavern, uh, that's right in the middle of downtown, and everything really is is in downtown Laramie. If you're coming into town, uh, I would you know Ivinson and uh, Grand Avenue; those are sort of the main streets, and you know it's hard to miss because everything's sort of on a on a strip down there on, on those streets downtown. But um, also food places depends on what you like. If you're if you're a, a, a wing uh, burger person, uh, Born in the Barn is fantastic. Um, that is also downtown. If uh, you like Mexican food, it's uh, Speed Goat. Um, try to If you like pizza, uh, Alibi and a crowbar, that is probably your spot. Um, but, yeah, if, in terms of, uh, you know, if you're looking for, like nightlife and, and going into a bar and, and having a good time, uh, Buckhorn would, would probably be your, your best bet.
0: Well, Davis, appreciate it, man. And we will uh, see you sometime on Saturday, uh, 6.30 kickoff out there.
2: Yeah, man. before to see you guys. Thanks. All right.
0: Thanks, Davis. We'll talk to you. Davis Potter, once again, Casper Star Tribune covers Wyoming and uh, gave you guys kind of uh, the, the lay of the land as far as that program goes. I mean, we can wrap this up pretty quickly. I, week one is a little bit weird. If Missouri only wins by a touchdown, I'm not going to cancel the season or anything. But this is a game that probably ought to be in hand in the
1: late third, early
0: fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: but really, my, Missouri should have the the edge in you know talent, depth, and experience. Like, right. it's you know, it, it just would take it would take yeah. one of those weird week one things that we have seen happen before in college football, but it would take something like that. For this game to stay close, you know Missouri turns the ball over 16 times, or yeah. you know something like well, that. And and there's, I mean, like you know, it's not out of the question. Yeah, and but, like we yeah. saw, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the, the Miami Florida game, like teams are sloppy in Week One, stuff happens. But uh, certainly, all things being equal, this is a game Missouri should uh, win pretty easily. Yeah, hey,
0: I mean, Davis said it would take four or five turnovers if Missouri turns the ball over four or five times, you get the message board on Sunday. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm out. So uh, it, that's that's that. We'll have another little quick podcast for you guys on Saturday morning. A little more preview of this game. But I want to finish up just kind of a, a lot of times we will uh, we'll talk to somebody else to preview another SEC game. We're not doing that this week because, frankly, there aren't really a lot of good ones. There is there is one good one, but also because I just kind of forgot to ask anybody. So at this point, it's too late. Uh, first, let's talk about what did happen already in the SEC I think it is unfair to call the last quarter of the Florida-Miami game football. That was one of the most offensive things I've ever seen on my television screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, like, yeah, it was bad. Neither team looked remotely prepared. You know, just like the sloppiness kind of built on each other was like a snowball effect almost.
0: i I, Miami's last, I saw somebody, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted, Miami's last drive should be put in a museum. <laughs> it was like 45 yards of pass interference, including yeah. one on fourth and 34, and they still went backwards well, on yeah, the drive. Yeah, it was
1: like something like 14 plays for four yards or something. Unreal. Like that. Yeah, it was terrible.
0: I bet Florida won, and like, look, again, it's week one. They won the game. That's all they really needed to do. I'm not going to tell you that Florida is terrible based yeah. off that game. But I did see enough to tell me that I think maybe Florida's a little closer to what I thought they were than what a lot of people seem to think they were, which was a top ten quarter or top ten team with a potential all SEC quarterback. Yeah. Felipe Franks not only looks like a maybe average at best quarterback to me he looked like the most unlikable guy in college football <laughs> in that game.
1: Like, yeah. I mean, that's not a dude you really want to root for. I think Florida is a perfect illustration of, of one of the things that tends to happen in college football, which is people way overreacting to a bowl game. Yes. You know, yes. they, they go to the Sugar Bowl or whatever, one of the New Year's Six, Bowl well, wasn't the Sugar Bowl because Georgia no. was in the Sugar Bowl. Right. bowl they, they beat know. Michigan. They beat Michigan. Yeah. They beat Michigan relatively easily. They scored like 45 points, and everyone's like, oh my goodness, you know, they've got this quarterback coming back. Dan Mullen always makes the big the big jump in, in from year one to year two, even though he already made a Big jump right. last what year. big jump can yeah, be made like, is from he going from like three? 10 wins to 14 I don't <laughs> know but uh yeah so I think people tended to overreact to that and you know I, like you said I'm I'm not gonna draw massive conclusions off of game one but at no point did I think and you know of course we maybe are a little biased the other way because the one time we watched Florida really closely they were awful maybe Missouri even worse than, than they were year. on Saturday I think yeah. definitely yeah um but like I, I never heard saw that as a top 10 team. So, we'll see. I don't know. Like, like we said, it's it's week 1, actually week 0, sorry, in that case. So, definitely don't want to draw yeah. any uh, conclusions, but
0: yeah, like I, I think last year Missouri was a team that most that went 8 and 5 that most people thought should have been at least 10 and 3, and I think Florida was 10 and 3 and most people thought they should have been 8 and 5. Yeah. I mean, they got a couple breaks or made a couple breaks that Missouri didn't. So there are actual, there are 16 football games tonight. Most of them aren't any good. Um, Clemson, Georgia tech, like that's not going to be good, but it is the defending national champion. I've seen some freaking out that it's on the ACC network and people don't really know how to get that. But, uh, so you probably won't be able to see them. The only sec game tonight, um, I expect a barn burner between Texas State and Texas (laughs) A&M. That looks like a real good game to me. I I actually was going to come in with the Texas State mascot, but I don't even know it.
2: It's the Bobcats.
0: Okay. I'm almost sure. And I believe former Missouri assistant coach Tony Harvey once coached basketball there. Okay. That's uh, that's my knowledge there. So forget that game. One game I'm actually intrigued by in the SEC, Toledo at Kentucky on Saturday. Okay. toledo's a good team yeah. year in and year out uh jason candle's a good coach most people think kentucky's not what it was last year like they should win that game mm-hmm. but i think we could learn some things
1: yeah and there was i mean there was a little stretch there not not last year obviously but for a few years kentucky lost like three or four games to a mac team they they, they kind of had a the mac was kind of their bugaboo i know that yeah. at one point they lost to like central michigan so uh yeah I, it's like you said, Toledo's a good enough team to provide like kind of an accurate test at least yeah. of a of an SEC program like Kentucky that has lost a lot of pieces and, you know, we'll see. Maybe you know you haven't seen a lot from the guys uh, underneath them, but people would tend to expect to take a little bit of a step
0: back. Yeah, I mean I think Kentucky's gonna win that game, but I think it'll be a good game. Another one that could be a good game. I think it's going to be like an eighty-four to seventy-seven final between Ole Miss and Memphis. But like Memphis is favored in this game. Most yeah. people, I think, think Ole Miss is the worst team in the SEC.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ole Miss certainly still still deep in the rebuild. Uh, but yes if you like points that'll be a good one uh i really i don't i don't know much about memphis even though i well, saw them just last year I brady know...
0: white is the quarterback for like he's he still 30... there I he was... has two years well, left. i was
1: just about to say he's got to be gone no. and i know darrell henderson's
0: gone yeah, darrell henderson so... is gone but brady white has two seasons left. well that's mind-blowing because i'm pretty going sure he's 31 years <laughs> <old>. <laughs>
1: i'm i'm pretty sure he's been there since like john calipari graduated there.
0: high school the year after antar thompson yeah so uh yeah he's still there um Mississippi State at Louisiana or versus Louisiana Patrick Crawford's going to be big in that game I feel like. <laughs> no one State probably to knows who Patrick Crawford <laughs> nobody is. Nobody gets that at all. Um, Duke uh against Alabama I think Daniel Jones might have a tough time of it come uh, Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think uh I, I don't know who Duke Duke's quarterback is now but he can't it's be as good Daniel as Daniel
0: Jones. Jones. So
1: I'm I'm thinking the Tide take care of business in yeah. that one.
0: South Carolina, North Carolina, like North Carolina's awful. Yeah, and I like Mac Brown, and I don't know that it's going to work at all. I but... like the idea of Mac Brown. I
1: think yeah. that was a terrible hire.
0: Look, I heard this uh, question on a podcast a, a few days ago, and, and I just gave you the hardest one. But do you know the five
1: active coaches that have won a national title? Well, Mac Brown's one, obviously, which most people wouldn't get because yeah. I think Brown, most people don't know he's coaching. Nick Saban, yeah. Dabo Swinney, yeah. Jimbo Fisher, yeah. and who am I missing?
0: This one's kind of tough, but
1: not tough for people in this part of the country. Yeah. If that oh, helps out. Uh, mm, ooh, you might have just thrown me off more. Uh, did Malzahn win at Auburn? No, but no. Les Miles did oh, at less LSU. Miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. obviously, one of the yeah, five national title coaches Auburn. is at Kansas.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: Georgia State, Tennessee, I want to spend no time on that game. Um, whatever happens, Tennessee fans will be very angry about it on Twitter. <laughs> you can count on that. Portland State at Arkansas. That's, um,
1: that's an abomination. Unless <laughs>
0: unless Neil Lomax is coming back for Portland mm-hmm. State. That's not going to happen. The only SEC game is Georgia at Vandy. Yeah. And, look, if you're Derek Mason, this is when you want this game.
1: Absolutely. Like, I,
0: I don't think you're probably winning it, but I think Vandy has a chance to keep this close in week one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one, like we already mentioned, crazy things happen in week one. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, yeah, Georgia's replacing quite a bit on offense. They, they, I think lost like every receiver who did anything last year. So certainly, uh, you know, you'll you'll expect a little bit of a, like maybe chemistry, uh, growing growth, uh, growing pains between Jake Fromm and the receivers. And yeah, I mean, like you know, it's the big, it's the big, uh, you know, week one's the big game you've been working towards all all season. You can put weeks and months into preparation for film study and getting ready for Georgia. I mean, you know, if there's a time to uh to give them give them your best shot, it's just now. And in uh, Georgia Southern and LSU, that's trash. Um, the
0: best <laughs> SEC game, I guess, is Oregon and Auburn. Yeah. Um, I, Auburn is fascinating because I've always thought, and Missouri fans think that Missouri is like the most chaotic place in America and crazy <laughs> things happen. Like, dude, Auburn is in a yeah. whole different <laughs> it's, world. It's amazing. I've never seen a place that so badly wants to fire its coach. And every time you think it's gonna have a chance, he just does something crazy
1: and prevents it. And also, he's owed twenty-seven million dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No. Actually, I'm I'm actually excited to watch Auburn this year because it's just like no matter what happens, there's gonna be chaos. It's gonna like, be great. Either they're gonna lose a few games and they're gonna pay this man twenty-seven million dollars to go away, or he's gonna start winning and they're gonna and think they're, gonna they're, gonna they're going furious, to the national championship. But they're gonna be mad and or be furious. Like especially because their season ends against Georgia and Alabama. There's yeah. no way they win both. Almost certainly, they don't win either one. Right. So, like, he could be ten and zero going into those, lose those two games, and get and fired. Fire it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, but a true freshman quarterback against Justin Herbert, like. I, I kind of like Oregon in this game. Yeah, and I the would Pac, agree. T- Oregon has to win this game for the Pac-12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Oregon doesn't win this game, it doesn't matter what time they put their games on TV. They can start at 6 a.m. or whatever they're talking about doing, yeah. and nobody's going to. Well, it was the same
1: with Washington, wasn't it? They were against. Mm-hmm. Was it was Auburn? It was last or- year. Too. Auburn, yeah, yeah. So same thing, yeah. Just like the Pac-12's entire season hinges on this neutral side opener. And last year they lost, and then they were irrelevant for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and UCLA's at Cincinnati tonight. Actually, that game. That's yeah. a game I, I'm interested in seeing because Cincinnati is. A lot of people think kind of the UCF of this yeah, year. That's
1: what people tell me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's what I've heard. I, I, yeah, I,
1: don't, I don't know anything I, about them other than Could you coaches, name Luke.
0: one Cincinnati player?
1: I know their coach, but uh, I could Pickle not tell you. They, they, actually... Oh man! Does Kenyon player... Martin play for them? No, or Nick Van there Exel? is a player. I think he's a quarterback on the team from my high school, yeah. but I don't know his name. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys are tight. <laughs> I mean, he's like six years younger than me. So so yeah.
0: Look, we're we're into football. Like we have actual things to talk about. The uh, podcast has wandered through the wilderness and managed to make it. So uh, football games start in earnest tonight. Uh, Mizzou and Wyoming. 7.30 our time, 6.30 where we will be on Saturday night. Isn't
1: it, I think it's 6.30 where we are and 5.30, 530 there? mountain time.
0: That's what Barry Odom okay. said in
1: his press conference the other day. He kept saying 5.33 that's, mountain.
0: That's good to know because I might have gotten there in the second quarter. <laughs> uh, 6.30 here, 5.30 there. We will have uh, full coverage for you. From Laramie, and then uh, next week, I don't know, they play again? Oh, it's West Virginia. West Virginia, which is, yeah, that's significant. Yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll have
1: things to say about that. I've heard of them.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that next week. So, thanks for listening. Once again, uh, call Shakespeare's Pizza. Eight pizzas or more, they're going to give you a group rate, give you 15% off if you mention the uh, podcast. So, do that. Watch all of the football games and uh, read all of our stories. Thanks. We'll be back next Thursday.